Yes, yes, and once again, yes. Come on in the room, my beautiful family, and is there anybody excited? Just Thursday night after Thursday night, Sunday after Sunday night, each and every message is blessing your life. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that you join me each and every week. And I'm telling you, tonight's segment of this precious series, I believe is going to be transformative. I believe it has all points pointing to this is a necessary and chain-breaking word. Go ahead and let us know where you are in the world. Tag us. Take a screenshot. Let us know where you are in the world and how this series is blessing your life. Guys, there's so much I have to share with you, so I'm just going to get straight to work. Our foundational text is Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs chapter 31. We're going to launch our reading at verse 1. It says, the saying of King Lamuel contains this message which his mother taught him. Oh, my son. Oh, my son. Oh, my son of my womb. My, my, my son of my vows. Do not waste your strength on women, on those who ruin kings. It is not for kings, O Lamuel, to guzzle wine. Rulers should not crave alcohol. For if they drink, they may forget the law and do not give justice to the oppressed. Alcohol is for the dying and wine for those in bitter distress. Let them drink to forget their poverty. And remember their troubles no more. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. Who could find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her and she will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. Church family, the, the power in this biblical text, the power in these passages of scripture, that there, there are two things that I would like to highlight and bring, and bring to the forefront for the conversation that we are going to have on tonight. And that is verse one, where the text tells us a mother is teaching something to her son. This passage is a mother having a conversation with the king on how to be a king. It is a mother having a dialogue and instructing and informing and extending wisdom to a man. And not just any man, but to a king. And then the part that we're really going to orbit around for tonight is verse 11 when the text tells us, when the text tells us her husband, her husband can trust her. Her husband can trust her and she greatly enriches his life. Hmm. She greatly enriches his life. It's almost as if the text is suggesting that there is a connection. There is a connection between your life being enriched and you trusting her. Her husband can trust her and she greatly enriches his life. <laughs> there is a wealth, there is a currency 
that a man obtains in his soul when he can trust her. There, there is a wealth in the soul and the reservoir of a man when he has found one that he can trust, that he could trust. And the puzzling thing, the puzzling thing about these passages of scripture, the, the puzzling thing about these passages of scripture is I have been in a plethora of men's conferences, served in them, spoke in them, joined hands together with my brothers and fathers as we, as we have prayed at these conferences. But I have never heard a message from Proverbs 31 taught to men. <laughs> I just haven't heard it. It's almost as if we have confined this passage of the Bible as a feminine passage. It's something that has been delegated and serves women and women alone. On the other side of this paradigm, I have been to a plethora of women's conferences, spoken them, served in them, have held hands together with my sisters and mothers as we have prayed at these conferences. And I have heard many sermons, <laughs> many sermons, themes, Topics, small group conversations, hashtags, and captions that you post on your IG, your social media, derived from Proverbs 31. But verse 1 tells us that this is a mother teaching a son. Listen, y'all. This is a mother teaching a son on what to look for. This is paramount. This is paramount because for centuries, the voice of the woman has been undervalued, has been threatened, it's getting hot in here, has been undervalued, has been threatened, and there even has been an attempt to keep her silence. And every single time she speaks, many men who don't understand the original kingdom agenda for the woman view her words as nagging. This is paramount because when God made man, when God made man in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, the text tells us that God looked at man and he said, it is not good for him to be alone. I will make, I will make a helper suitable for him. Let, let's, let's, let's break that down. The three takeaways that I would like to teach you from Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. It is not good for a man to be alone and I will make him a helper suitable for him. The, the first takeaway that I want you to see is that everything that God made, he said was good. Everything that God made, he said was good. The, the brilliance of God, greater lights by day and lesser lights by night and the firmaments and the plants and the sun have this thing going on called photosynthesis. And then I made the plants so that they could be a critical component for mankind because the plants are going to release oxygen as a waste product. And then man is going to grab that oxygen and then consume it and then release off carbon dioxide. And then the plants are going to grab the carbon dioxide and consume it and then release off oxygen so that the circle of life could cycle. See, God was on this way before Disney. He was already on his circle of life. The circle of life. Bam, bala, bam, bam, we think that was just a Lion King thing? No. Adonai was on the circle of life way back before you and I ever had a life. This is critical because God is showing us something. God is showing us something. I, before I created Adam, I first focused on the environment. 
Please don't miss this. This is powerful. Before I created Adam, I first needed an atmosphere that could sustain what I'm about to do. It is a picturesque portrait of how God moves. God is showing us I don't breathe in it until I have created space for it. I don't take the dust of the earth and Ruach, breathe in it until first I have an atmosphere. I have an environment that can sustain what I'm about to do. Y'all, if I had time, if I had time to unpack that, I would unpack it by asking you this question. Have you made space for it? Have, have you made space for it? I don't breathe in it until there has been created space for it. So many of us, so many of us are window shopping at our dreams, but then yet purchasing our excuses. He's showing us the power of atmosphere. And I wonder, have you been so focused on God sending the man that you haven't recognized the Holy Spirit is focused on the atmosphere that can sustain what he's about to send? This doesn't just have to be relational. Have you been so focused on what you want God to send that you're missing the fact that God wants you to focus on the atmosphere so that the atmosphere can sustain what I'm about to send. Yeah, can it sustain it? I'm talking about the atmosphere of your mouth. Can it sustain what I'm about to do? The atmosphere of your mind. Can it sustain what I'm about to do? The atmosphere of your heart. I feel this thing. Can it sustain what I am about to do? I know you want me to send this, but I'm focused first on the atmosphere. I'm focused on the atmosphere, the atmosphere of your devotion. Don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. God is not withholding things from you. A closed curtain doesn't mean the production is over. All it means is God is setting up the next scene. That's for somebody. That's for somebody right there. First thing I want you to see from Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, is God focused on an atmosphere to sustain. The second thing I want you to see from Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, is when God said, I will make I will make him a suitable helper. Why do we just breeze over the I will make part? This is about to get good. Why do we just breeze over the I will make part? I know you want what I'm going to send, but will you allow me to make you? A lot of your prayers are God give me, God give me. But, but what if we started to pray prayers that said, God, make me. God, make me. See, because making requires seasoning and heat. <laughs> making requires seasoning and fire. Okay, let's break this down even lower to the lowest common denominator. Is there anybody watching this message on tonight? You can cook. Like, like just hand raise emoji. You can cook. Now listen, hold on, wait, wait, don't lie, okay? We, we're, we're, <laughs> we're in a place of transparency. Let's be honest. I'm not talking about DoorDash, Grubhub, or you can make something edible. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you have been gifted in the area of stimulating taste buds. You can cook. You can cook. In fact, let's go ahead and add insult to injury. You can cook so well that if you cook something without informing someone or sending them a plate, they're going to get offended. They're going to get offended. What do you mean? 
How in the world did you make your sweet potato pie and you did not send me none? You made your famous gumbo, but you didn't send me any. You made your stuffed salmon and you didn't send me some. You know what? I know, Jerry, that you preached last week that being offended is a choice and I refuse to give you that much power. But uh, I'm sorry, I choose to be offended. You know you can cook and you didn't give me a plate. <laughs> can anybody cook? Well, for all my people in the room that can cook, you know that there is a process to making things. One day, I was upstairs and my wife had the whole house smelling good. The whole house was smelling just delicious. She, she was making some grilled chicken and she had the grilled chicken and it was stuffed with rice and stuffed with cream spinach. And I'm just like, man, this smells good. I've been waiting a while and I come downstairs and I said, um, yeah, you, you, you sure the food is not ready yet? She says, no, nah, it's not ready. <sighs> okay, so I'm, I'm pacing around. Now, I can't speak for every man, but a, a lot of us, a lot of us, there, there is this irritation we get when we're hungry. There is this almost propensity to operate in the flesh. Well, let me not project. This may not be every man, but this is me, okay? This is just me. Y'all pray for me. You, you just have this propensity to be a little more irritated when you're hungry, and so... I'm pacing the floor and I'm waiting. She said, it's not ready yet. I'm like, okay, all right, it's, it's not ready yet. After about 10 minutes, I just decide to open the oven. I look in and I said, it is, it is ready. You don't see how this grease is popping? It's, it's ready. <laughs> it's ready. Watch this. I think it's ready because of how it looks on the outside. I think it's ready because of how it looks on the outside. The maker came over and looked and said, it's not ready yet. I'm thinking, how is she just looking at this chicken? How is she just looking at this chicken and just making the erroneous assumption that it's not ready? It, 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 looks, it looks done. So we, we, we close up the oven. Have you ever allowed your appetite to cause you to open doors prematurely? Uh-oh. It's not as though God is not making it. It's not as though God is not preparing it. It's not as though God is not doing it. It's not like he's not in our future today. It's not like God is not working to make sure that you have a future, a hope, and a joy. It's not as though God is not working on your behalf. It's just due to your appetite. <laughs> your edges. It's due to your appetite. You keep opening doors prematurely. So I wait about 10 more minutes. I wait about 10 more minutes. I walk over there and I look in the oven and now the chicken's getting a little darker. So I'm like, all right, Tanisha, come on. <laughs> it's ready. It's ready now. And she gets a knife and she walks over. And I don't know, I don't know what I was thinking, but I grabbed a plate and I'm thinking she's about to cut a piece of chicken because she has a knife in her hand. But she cuts a little bit towards the middle of the chicken. And she says, Jerry, come here. And I walk over there. I'm like, what's up? <laughs> it's ready. She says, no, no, look. It's still raw in the middle. You do know the word, the Bible is referred to as a double-edged sword, right? That means sometimes it cuts you and it also cuts me. Any preacher that says the word and sermons don't cut him, they're just individuals who are great at delivering it, but poor at receiving it. It's a double-edged sword. It's cutting you and cutting me too. She has this knife and she cuts a little bit in the middle and she says, you see it's still raw in the middle. It's still raw in the middle. The maker 
was able to tell me, I know that your appetite wants to consume this, but you're still raw in the middle. There's still bitterness in the middle. You see that? There's still lust in the middle. The reason the word cuts so hard, and sometimes as you watch this series, message after message, the word seems to cut you. It's the Holy Spirit saying, you see, there's still lust in the middle. There's still bitterness in the middle. There's still entitlement in the middle. There's still arrogance in the middle. So allow me to now put you in the refiner's fire. Preach Holy Ghost. Allow me to put you in the refiner's fire so that those raw areas I could make. The problem was I didn't trust the maker. And in Genesis chapter 2, I think we just breeze over the part where it says, I will make him a suitable helper. I had to trust her. So now I'm prolonging the process because I'm not trusting the maker. If I would allow it to just stay in the oven and cook, I probably could have had my stuffed chicken with rice and, and spinach faster. But due to me having an appetite that was causing for me to be impatient, it then caused me to question the maker. And I kept opening a fire that was needed for the seasoning that God is trying to do in your life. First thing from this text, can y'all believe I'm still an introduction? First thing from this text, God focused on the atmosphere. Second thing in this text, I will make. Third thing, God looked at Adam and he was like, something is not good. Something is not good. God looked at the moon, that's good. Stars, that's good. Grass, that's good. Whales, that's good. Firmaments, that's good. The heavens, that's good. Adam, that's not good. This is not good. It's, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make him. Watch this. It's not good, so allow me to make the good. Ladies, you are the good. This is powerful, y'all. This is so powerful. Listen, ladies, you need to, you need to like embrace this moment because other parts of this message, you're not going to like me. But right now, you can like me. You are the good. God looked at Adam and he said, you know what? This is not good. So let me create the good. Mothers, you have a good Sisters, you have a good. Aunties, you, you have a good. Grandmothers, you have a good. Now, if it's operational in your life and in the earth, that's all dependent on if you're yielded to the Holy Spirit. But you have been cosmically created. There is a wiring to you that, that God said, you know what? It's not good for him to be by himself. I'm going to create the good. And how we get confused, how a lot of my sisters get confused. Now, I want to break this down. I want to break this down because if a woman does not know that she is good, she will confuse her contribution as confirmation. You have to understand that Adam was not a broken man. I'm not up here saying, listen, you good, so fix him. He bad. I'm not saying that Adam was not a broken man. Adam was not dysfunctional. Adam didn't have all of these childhood issues. Adam didn't have all of that. I have to say this because we have to stop viewing projects as partners. This is just an individual who you have something good that can help him. I have sisters in my life that have a good 
and their good helps me with the effectiveness of the ministry. Yeah, yeah, your voice is good. It helps with praise and worship. Your wisdom is good. It helps with the execution of ministry. Your, your, your character is good. It helps me. This is not just romantic. You are good, period. When you don't understand this, when you don't understand that Adam was not broken, you'll think, okay, this is something I can fix. What did God mean? It is not good for man to be alone. So he created the good. It is not good because he can't multiply. Oh, I'm trying to help you. It is not good because he cannot multiply. He has seed. Now watch this. Fruit has seeds. Anytime there is fruit that is seedless, it is always because it has been manipulated by man. But when it comes to fruit, fruit has seeds in it. Adam, you're already fruitful, but you can't multiply. And that's not good. So I'm going to create the good and send it your way so that together you both can be fruitful and multiply. He already had the character. I just helped it multiply. He already had a budget. I just helped it multiply. He already had the vision, but I just helped it multiply. This is how you know I'm not just wasting time, but this is something that is possibly beneficial for his life and beneficial for my life because I see the multiply. I'm going to create the good and send it to the man. I'm going to create the good and send it to him. I gave her the power of persuasion, kingmaking, construction, and nurturing. Please hear me. I have given her the power of persuasion, kingmaking, construction, and nurturing. This is something that God created. He saw it in her and held it too. Don't miss this. Hell saw it too, which is why the enemy went to Eve. So that he could try to deceive her because maybe if I deceive her, she could use her power of persuasion. There is nobody more persuasive than a woman. If I can get her to use the power of persuasion on the man, if she doesn't know that she's the good, if she doesn't know that she's the good, this is the lie he told her. He told her, you won't surely die. God just knows that you will be like him, knowing the good and the evil. But you're already good. You've already been made in his image and his likeness. If you don't know that you are the good, you'll constantly extend forbidden fruit that has been handed to you by a snake. You are the good. And I don't understand. I don't understand why, why this conversation has been so one-sided. Why, why does this passage of scripture in Proverbs 31 seem to be a part in the Bible that we believe has a feminine fragrance on it? Verse 1 informs us a mother is telling this to a son. Maybe one of the issues that we're having is we have women who are reading Proverbs 31, but we don't have enough men reading Proverbs 31. This mother's helping him. She says, listen, this is how you rule like a king. Yeah, this is how you rule like a king. Don't, don't drink like them because you're a king. You, you don't mess with those type of women. You don't spend your strength on those type of women. I'm all in the Bible. Verse 3, Proverbs 31. It says, listen, don't, don't waste your strength on women, the ones who ruin kings. God, this is so good. Don't waste your strength on that. 
I need you to understand who you are. You're a king. And there is a caliber of women who are not good for your kingship. Don't waste your, your, your kingdom. Don't waste your energy on them. But instead, instead, I want you to look for a woman of nobility. I want you to look, I want you to look for a woman who is noble. See, if we don't learn this as men and we don't have discernment, we'll pick wrong ribs. No wonder, my dude, you struggle breathing with her. Ooh. We're picking wrong ribs because we haven't recognized that, listen, this woman is telling, this woman is telling this kingdom man, this woman is telling the king, you need a wife of nobility. You need a woman of character. You need one who has strength. You need one who knows who she is. You need one who has value. He's, she's teaching him. <laughs> she, she's, teeping, she's teaching him. She said, listen, this, this type of woman, you could trust her. You could trust her and she will greatly enrich your life. She'll greatly enrich your life. We should not have trust issues with trusting God. God has shown himself faithful. God, I trust you with my health. And God, I trust you with my wealth. And I trust you with my life. And I trust you with my children. Trusting God is not a conversation that is on trial here. But for many of us, we major in worry, but then minor in trust. As though we have not learned that the tuition from the university of overthinking is overpriced. Did y'all hear what I just said? We major in worry, minor in trust. As though we haven't learned that the tuition from the university of overthinking is overpriced. Worry, worry, worry. I can't trust you. I can't trust you. Worry, worry. All worry is, is a down payment on a problem that you may never have. Ah, this is so good, y'all. Trust. What is trust? Trust arrives when actions and words are color-coordinated. Trust, ar trust arrives when actions and words are color-coordinated. This means you said a thing and you actually did it. Trust is the follow-through or follow-up on actions and character that were first spoken, but they're now experienced. Simply put, what you said, you did over and over and over and over and over again. This heightens the ability to trust. Trust happens when I show you my vulnerabilities, when I show you the areas in my life that I'm not confident in. Trust happens when I am vulnerable with you, and that doesn't change your view of me. Trust Trust. He, he can trust her and she greatly will enrich his life. Do you really want the vulnerabilities of a man? Or do you want just the idea? Listen, I am so thankful with how woke we are. This generation woke. We just woke. I mean, we're woke to health and woke to therapy and woke to soul care and self-care. I don't really know. I wasn't around, but I don't really know if baby boomers were as intentional as we are. Like we have normalized self-care. Generations before us, what goes on in this house stays in this house. We kept on hiding stuff. Everybody knew granddad was kind of off. Everybody knew Uncle Ray Ray was cheating on Aunt Sheila. We all knew it, but nobody said nothing about it. 
Everybody knew that deacon and the church secretary had something going on, but he still taught at the tent revival. We all knew it, but nobody said nothing about it. Our generation, we're like, listen, we, we understand secrets don't keep you safe. They keep you sick. We need help. We need therapy. Wearing shirts. God is dope. And so is my therapist. We are so woke to self-care and, and, and wholeness within. But, but my concern is we're also a generation who likes the idea of things. We like the idea of things. Why? So we can post it. I like the idea of marriage. I, I like the idea of success. I, I like the idea of me winning. Why? Because it's, it's post-worthy. Do you really? Do you really want the vulnerabilities of a man? Or do you just want the idea? And can you nurture his little boy without viewing him as a boy? Can you nurture his little boy without viewing him as a boy? Maybe this is why so many men hide parts of ourselves. We, we hide parts of ourselves and there is a pressure. There is a pressure to keep our hearts in a vault. All our feelings, all of our secrets, all the stuff that we're ashamed of, things that happened, there is a pressure to keep it in a vault, closed, and never share with anybody what's going on in the vault of my soul. But I came here on the night because I believe God wants to address the vault. God wants to teach us how to nurture the vulnerabilities, how to nurture the vulnerabilities. Can I... Can I trust her? Because Proverbs 31 tells us he can trust her and his life is greatly enriched. Father, you're awesome. You're awesome. In this moment right now, God, would you just start to do surgery? Start to do surgery so that we can have hearts that no longer are in vaults, but hearts that are ready to heal, hearts that are ready for love, hearts that are ready for intimacy, and hearts that are ready for service. In Jesus' name, we're asking that you do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Her husband can trust her. Her husband could trust her, and she greatly enriches his life his life. I want to speak around this thought from this subject for the time that we have together on tonight. Can I trust her? Can I trust her? There is a pressure for us as men to keep our hearts in vaults. Can I trust her? Confession time. Can I get everybody to put this in the room in all caps? Confession time. God, teach us how to love Beyond what we see and what we know, help me to love like you. One more time. Let's put this in the room. This is powerful. God, teach us how to love beyond what we see and what we know. Help me to love like you. Help me to love like like you. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, there is a pressure for a man to keep his heart in a vault. And it's not always due to, sometimes it is, but it's not always due to trust issues. 
It's not always due to trust issues, but rather I believe it's due to a undertaught, underpreached, unequipped area that has not been addressed with the man, and it is the area of emotional wholeness. This conversation is needed. This is a conversation that is needed that is not just directed to the woman, but it's directed to men. We need to have a biblical understanding and spiritual education in the area of our emotional wholeness because something has happened in our men when we were boys. Something has happened in our men when we were boys. Shut up. Why are you crying over that? That's just a little scratch. Man, get up off the field. You're going to let him hit you like that? Get up and get back out on the field. I know you're not crying over that. you acting like a little girl. you acting soft. you acting weak. you acting like a punk. Something happened with our men when we were little boys. And what happened is we were taught how to not express. We were taught to not express our feelings. We were taught it is masculinity to not express the areas in our life that hurts. We were taught to not express our heart. That's how we were taught. And this is massively dangerous because as a father, as a brother, as a son, and as a husband, you're going to need to be in tune with that part of yourself because you have to be able to express the heart of God. Please hear me. You're going to have to be able to express the heart of God. And it's going to be hard for you to express God's heart if you don't even know how to express your heart. Because like I stated, fathers are the point of reference to God. And if you have a daughter and you don't know how to express love to her because you aren't in tune with your emotional self, and you don't know how to express love to your son, then if the only emotion you know how to express is anger, whenever they go through something, whenever they feel worried, whenever they make a mistake, guess what? They're going to think God is angry with them because fathers are the point of reference to God. And the only emotion that you have been in tune with is the emotion of anger. You have to know how to express. If you don't know how to express your words and keep what you said, you express that you will be at the volleyball game, that you will be at the basketball tournament. And when you did not show up. Guess what happens, brothers, when we get older and we start to go through a pandemic and we go through something like COVID-19, we start to wonder, will God not show up just like my daddy did? Because fathers are the point of reference to God. What you expressed, did you follow through with it? Did you, did you follow through with it? Listen, listen, culture taught us that part of you is weak. But your assignment is going to need that part of you. Your assignment is going to need that part of you. Your son is going to need that part of you. Your daughter is going to need that part of you. The body is going to need that part of you. And I admit, yes, like some brothers commented when I asked this question yesterday, it is difficult for a man to find a safe place where he can vent and where he can bleed. But I would like to ascribe to you the greater difficulty is when we don't even know how to express. You can have a safe place where you could cry, bleed, and talk. But because this area of emotional wholeness has not been taught and you don't know what to do with these emotions because you were discipled as a young child, we don't share that. You can have the exact safe place that you need. 
You could have the good that you need and not be able to allow her to multiply you so that you could be fruitful and multiply because I don't know what to do with this. I, I don't know how, how to share this. I, I don't know how to express this. Sometimes it's not always that we have trust issues. It's that the emotional part of us was never allowed to breathe. The emotional part of us was never allowed to breathe. And I need to be taught. I need to be taught from the scriptures. I need to be taught how do I get in tune with the part of me that I've always resented and I viewed it as weakness, but I need it for this season to flourish. And I need it in covenant so that she could help me multiply. This is so good, y'all. This is so, so good. So I echo the question. Do you really want the vulnerabilities or do you just want the idea? Because I believe we are a generation who loves the idea of things. When I posted this question yesterday on my social media, do you really want the vulnerabilities of a man? Or do you want just the idea? So many ladies, all my sisters were like, oh, I want the vulnerability. It's just so attractive. When he's vulnerable like that, oh, that takes strength. When you show me your naked self, when you show me your failures, when you show me your flaws, that's so attractive. That, that looks good on you, boo-boo. That looks so good. Yes, I want a man that I could call Zaddy and he could just express himself to me. He has the courage. He is mature enough. He is in tune with himself where he could tell me what hurt. He could tell me what he didn't like. I love this. Oh, I love it, Zaddy. I love it. Like there was all these sisters. <laughs> expressing oh I would love his vulnerable self but my concern my concern is not your desire to want the vulnerabilities my concern is we have not been taught what to do with somebody's vulnerable self yeah yeah the pressure to not talk is because there has not been an education what do you do with the vulnerable self that he shares with you. What do you do with that? I know that this is such a huge issue because this also happens in the church. You confided in a pastor or a spiritual leader, and then you go to church one day, and your issue, your problem, ends up being his or her sermon content. <laughs> we don't know what to do with the vulnerabilities. He shares something with you. And you go back and you tell your mama, you tell your daddy, you tell your friends. See, here's the thing. Y'all possibly are going to work it out. But your friend is always going to view them out of the vulnerability that you shared about them. And so now he doesn't feel safe sharing it with you. You know why? Because I shared that with you, not with your girlfriend. I shared that with you, not with your mama. That was a part of me that was exclusively for you. It's getting real in here on tonight. I know you want the vulnerable self. But do you know what to do with the vulnerabilities? What do you do with it? Why do you want it? Why do you want it? Do you know how to make it to where he could trust you and he is greatly enriched in his life because he finds a place to trust in you? What do you do with the vulnerabilities? So here you are, y'all upset, y'all going at it, and you trying to hurt old boy. He told you he was scared about some position that he was getting at his job. He told you he was nervous. He was scared. And in the middle of an argument, you're going to bust out. That's why you're scared. That's why you're scared. Look at you. You're a grown man talking about you scared. See, you scared. You need to grow a pair. You need to man up. What you have just done, what you have just done, he had his heart open. He was trying to be vulnerable with you. But when you used his vulnerabilities as ammunition, 
You shut his heart. You shut his heart. I, I'm, not, I'm not questioning your desire to want the vulnerable self. My concern is not that you don't want his vulnerable self, but do you know what to do with it? Do you know what to do with it? Can you see the little boy and then not see him as a little boy because of the little boy? Can you see the little boy and help nurture the little boy? I don't have time to graze, I don't have time to raise no man. I'm not saying raise him. We talked about this. Adam was already functional. Adam was already functional. He, he was already functional. He was already fruitful, but he couldn't multiply without the good. Okay? So what I'm saying is your good could help him unlearn something that culture taught him. Kingdom man, striving to do the best he can. But that part of you, I want to bring good to it. I want to bring good to it. I want to bring good to it so that I can multiply you in the area of your emotional wholeness. You a man, you're a king, but culture lied to you, sir. They lied to you and told you that you don't have to talk, that you can't talk. You cry in silence, but I want to nurture that part of you. What if I were to tell you that the original kingdom agenda, when God says, I will make a helper suitable, I will make a help meet, means there's some places he can't meet without help. And, and men, we need discernment. We need discernment. We need discernment so that we don't risk trying to be vulnerable with Delilah. Because Delilah will always keep you in war and try to zap your strength. I don't know what was wrong with Samson. Every time he woke up, he was awoken to Delilah saying, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. Then he has to go out and he has to knock and if he buck and he has to do his thing, then he would go back to sleep. Samson, the Philistines are upon you. Then he have to go back out and he have to fight and square up on old boy. He would have to do all of that. I'm like, don't you understand? She's asking for your vulnerable self. But the red flag that God has given you is she keeps you in war. She keeps you in war. I need to be vulnerable with the person that God has assigned to me. How do I know that? I'm already fruitful, but she helps multiply. I already have the fruit of the Spirit. I'm already, I already have self-control, but she multiplies it. I already have gentleness, but she multiplies it. It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a suitable helper, a helper suitable for him. She, he can trust her and she greatly enriches his life. Do you know how to nurture a little boy? All of us, all of us to a certain extent, still have some childlike tendencies. Like ladies, when you get mad, you start crying. <laughs> you get mad, you cry, something you don't like, you start crying. How is it you so freely can express your emotions, but nobody calls you a little girl? But then culture tells us, if he cries, he's soft. Trying to help somebody on the night, trying to help somebody. It's, it's a process to become mature. It's a process to become mature. It's a choice to become mature. Maturity doesn't come from birthdays. Maturity doesn't come from birthdays. You have been wired, all my sisters, you have been wired to give birth both naturally and spiritually. You have been wired to give birth, but the nurturing part of yourself must be equipped did you hear me? I don't know why we think just because we are a gender, we know how to extend an attribute. I know how to protect her, bruh. I'm a man. Bruh, have you been to any type of self-defense class? 
any boxing gym. I know you think because you a man that, that you know how to protect both naturally and spiritually, but bro, it, if you haven't been trained how to fight, just because you a man doesn't mean you know how to protect. If you haven't been taught how to fight in the spirit, just because you're a man doesn't mean you know how to protect. I know how to nurture my kids, I'm a mother. Just because you have children doesn't mean you automatically know how to nurture. This is how a lot of us right now are in therapy because our mothers injured us. They didn't nurture us. I need to go to the word of God so it could teach me what does godliness look like? What does nurturing look like? Look at this. Proverbs 31 verse 10. I'm reading this from the Message Bible. It, it, it says she, she shops around for the best yarns and cottons and enjoys knitting and sewing. She's like a trading ship that sails to a faraway place and brings back exotic surprises. She's up before dawn preparing breakfast for her family and organizes her day. She looks over a field and buys it. Then with the money she put aside, plants a garden. First thing in the morning, she dresses for work, rolls up her sleeves, eager to get started. She senses the worth of her work is in no hurry to call it quits for the day. This woman is resourceful. She's a grinder and a woman, a mother is teaching her son, this is what you look for. Why, why are we not preaching this at men's conferences? Why are we not talking about this in small group with men? This is the type of woman you look for. She's a worker. Listen, the same way women are not rehabilitation centers for men. I'm about to get in trouble with this statement. Y'all ready for this? The same way that women are not rehabilitation centers for men, a man is not poverty eradication for a woman who is lazy. Uh-oh. I'm not eradicating you from your poverty because you're lazy. I'm not your ticket out the hood. The Proverbs 31 already says she's resourceful. She's thinking ahead. She's a planner. And she's trying to make sure that my whole house is taken care of. This nurturing and this providing aspect has to be taught. It has to be taught because a perspective that you probably haven't considered. A lady put this in the comment section when I, when I asked this question yesterday. She said, God had to reveal to me with my husband before he was ever your husband. He was first my son. I care for his emotions and I care for him just like I care for you. And you have been created to be the good and the areas in his life that aren't good. You are there to bring good to it. <sighs> God looked at Adam and he said, it's not good. <laughs> so let me create the good. Vulnerability is my most fragile and nude part of me. And I share it with you so that you can clothe me, but not keep me naked. One more time. Vulnerability is my most fragile and nude part of me, and I shared it with you to clothe me, not to keep me naked. Now, I, I want a female's perspective. I want my wife to come here, and we're going to end this, and I want you just to kind of be able to understand from a, from a female's perspective. If this vault, if this vault has been closed, how do I open it? How do I open it back? Give you a few points. Vince, Nisha, I want you to come here. A few points. Um, number one, 
as men, we have to learn to open the safe. Open the safe because it's not safe to live in a safe. God, open the safe because it's not safe to live in a safe. Number two, you have to give it to Jesus. Whatever is in the vault of your heart, I have to give that to Jesus. Ultimate security is not in Brinks, not in the dog, not even in your wife. Ultimate security is found in Jesus. Okay. Number three, I have to give it to who Jesus gave to me. So good. Give it to who Jesus gave to you. So if God gave me Tanisha, everything that I have been here, it is my, it is my responsibility to give everything I have in here to Tanisha. Give it to who Jesus gave to you. Number four, nurture the helper. I have to learn how to help. I have to learn how to protect the vulnerabilities. And last one, like we stated all the time, secrets don't keep you safe, they keep you sick. So Tanisha, come here, let's end this thing. This is so good. Come on around. So yes, come on, come on in and let's let's uh, address this from a woman's perspective. Okay, so um, I have uh, four points, mm -hmm. um, ways that you can make a man shut down or cause him to shut down or close the vault mm -hmm. um, of his heart or his emotions. Yeah. Um, and then I have four ways to help you to maybe regain um, that, that trust. Or just if you haven't done anything wrong, maybe somebody else has yeah. caused him to shut down and he is kind of protected, he has a wall up. So ways yeah. that you can help him yeah. um, in, in, in that sense to, to open up to you. So number one, uh, if you belittle or talk down to him, you're yeah. really emasculating with your words. Wow. Um, I know some women have a really sharp tongue and some women when they get angry, they uh they can just say anything and they can, it can be very very extremely damaging yeah. to a man and so you have to choose your words wisely you you so a lot of women we speak before we think and mm. you know we speak with our emotions mm. and we we regret it later yeah so you have to have wisdom um when you're when you're uh, with a son uh, with your uh, a brother, any man, uh, your husband, yeah. you have to you have to use wisdom. I'm not yeah. saying you're a doormat and you can you know you don't say what you feel. But you have to just be wise with your words. And so yeah. that is a, definitely a way that he will just shut his heart off if yeah. you say things that are just belittling and you just kind of spew off at the mouth and very yeah. very uh, demeaning. Yeah. You know. So number two, if you don't support his ambitions or his dreams, mm. or he shares things with you and you are and you shoot them down, even yeah. if you don't feel like, hey, that's a good fit, um, wow. there's a way to say it. Mm. There's a way to say, hey, you know what? Okay, I'm glad that you're trying to explore something new. If you know, if he has a business venture or idea, and you, you know, if you say that's stupid or yeah. that's a horrible idea, like yeah. you have to. I mean, and I'm. Yeah. Women can can say those things, and he's trying. So you have to support him. It's important. Yeah, it's a, support is big for anybody. You know, including men. Number three, um, bringing up his past mistakes and mm. continuously throwing them in his face. Yeah. If he's made mistakes. You don't want anybody to do that to you. Yeah. Don't throw his past in his face. Yeah, that'll that'll cause him to shut down. Yeah. And then um, finally, number four, if you treat him like he's unwanted, unneeded, wow. unvalued. Yeah. Like, I, I'm good without you. I mean, yeah. I really can make it. Yeah. Okay. That's a way to really cause him to shut down. 
Yeah. Um, so these are ways to make him open back up mm -hmm. to you. Um, number one, give time, mm -hmm. be patient, and make your actions towards him genuine and consistent. So good. You have to be, if, if you want to regain his trust, be genuine, be consistent, yeah. give it time. Yeah. That's, that, that's what's going to help. Number two, support what he says and does, even if you don't agree. It kind of goes back to the, the other one. He needs it. Mm. They need it. They need to know that you're there for them. Yeah. It's important. Number three, show interest in who he is and what he likes. Now, you may hate sports. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. But show some sort of an uh, inkling of interest. Mm -hmm. Let him know that you're into him. That, 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 that makes him feel loved. Yeah. Show, try your best to show a little bit of interest in who he is and his mm -hmm. makeup. Yeah. And then lastly, pray, pray, pray. <laughs> I'm, yeah. Pray, 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 pray. Yeah. If, you, if, if you have a man that has been damaged, hurt, vaulted by either what you said or, or did or someone else, yeah. Some other woman, some other person. Yeah. You have to continuously pray. Yeah. Pray for him. Pray for you, for the patience to yeah. just to, to be diligent and to love him through it. Yeah. People, yeah. they, we, we look at men that they have to be these superheroes, which they yeah. are, but they are also men. They're human. Yeah. They have flaws. They have been hurt. Yeah. And that's why we're here. We're, we're the good. Like yeah. he was saying, we're the good and we yeah. help them. This, this is not to try to inform. This is what you need to do as a woman. This is to remind you of an original kingdom agenda. Yeah, yeah. When God first made man, he was like, okay, it's not good for him to be alone. Yeah. So God made the good. All this message is designed to do mm -hmm. is to go to war with the strategy of the enemy. There are men who are shutting down and have shut down vaulted hearts. Mm. And I need that part of you so that you can express the heart of God to your daughter. Yeah. You can express the heart of God to your son. Mm -hmm. You can express the love of God to love your wife like Christ loves the church. You can express that. Yeah. But you can't express my heart if you can't express your heart. And just some ways we can understand how do we, how do we shame the devil? Mm -hmm. How do we conquer this? I have to learn to nurture. Because if I want to be a helpmeet, I'm saying, God, send me somebody who needs help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Send me somebody who needs help. Right. Not dysfunction, not mm -hmm. broken. Because mm -hmm. Adam already had fruit. Her presence made him be fruitful right. and multiply. Yeah. So, so God, right now, would you help us to understand your kingdom agenda? Yes. That your daughters are the good thing. That your kings are leaders. Your daughters are queens. Your, mm -hmm. your, your sons are kings. Help us to figure out how do we live lives to where we could be honest and open because you said in your word, express your faults one to another yeah. so that we may be healed. And so many of us have expressed our faults and we feel more hurt. Help us have hearts that know how to nurture the vulnerabilities so that the enemy won't use this warfare tactic of shutting down the hearts of your kings, which is limiting the expression of the heart of God in the home. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Yeah.